On February 14, 1895, Mr. Byron Sherman of Morristown, New Jersey, purchased a Model 10 Steinway upright piano, serial number 81169. The piano had been built the previous year. An amateur player, Mr. Sherman must have been struck by the stunning beauty of the physical materials from which the instrument was constructed, and the craftsmanship that shone through its every component part, including elaborately carved pilasters supporting the keyboard console and intricate fretwork on the instrument's front panels, elements that would become so costly that in the following generation, featureless solid wood would increasingly become the norm on uprights. He must have been struck, too, by the rich sound and weighty action, which mimicked those of a grand piano. Did Mr. Sherman know the provenance of the materials that made up his new possession? Did he know that if he took out the family globe and located all the parts of the world that supplied raw materials for his instrument, putting a thumb on one place and a pinky on another in various combinations with both hands, he'd have found himself clutching the sphere like a basketball? The distances and the spread would be palpable. Mr. Sherman might have known that Steinway manufactured almost everything in its own pianos. He surely didn't know in detail where the various raw materials had originated. If he'd given the matter any thought, he would just as surely have guessed, correctly, that those materials came from virtually all over the world, though the company purchased some of them from American suppliers and importers. Here is where the materials actually came from, or in some cases probably came from. Ivory Steinway purchased from two companies in Ivoryton and Deep River, Connecticut, but most of the elephant tusks themselves came originally from Zanzibar, the remainder from Congo. Spruce, used for the soundboard, the white keys onto which the ivory coverings were glued, and the bracings on the back of the upright. The source was domestic, specifically the Adirondack Mountains north of Albany. Ebony for the black keys, from American suppliers, who probably imported it from southern India, Ceylon, and Madagascar, the sources of the finest ebony at that time. Wool for the felt in the hammers and dampers, from Merino Sheep in Australia. The felt itself was made by one of two American firms, or by the German manufacturer Weikert. Mahogany and rosewood for the case, probably Nicaragua or somewhere in South or Central America. Iron ore for the cast steel strings, tuning pins and plates, Sweden, England, and the United States. Maple for the rest planks, which hold the tuning pins, from the United States and Canada. And if this in itself was a source of wonder, another simple fact would be equally astonishing at the end of the 19th century. Of course, trade between places separated by great distances had been around for all of recorded history. Think of the Navy of Tharshish that brought King Solomon gold and silver, ivory and apes, and peacocks. 1 Kings 10.22. Wherever or whatever Tharshish was, it could not possibly have been a place as far from King Solomon as Zanzibar was from Morristown, New Jersey. And the recipient of those exotic goods was a king. The great imperial powers of earlier centuries had snatched up articles of all sorts from their conquered territories, but few of these articles ever found their way into the abodes of ordinary people. Yet in Morristown in 1895, Mr. Sherman was the proud owner of an object whose parts, a few hundred years earlier, only a tiny number of the very richest Europeans could have acquired. In late 19th century America, that object was well within the reach of a middle-class family. 
Not everyone owned a Steinway piano, grand or upright, though a higher percentage of the population owned some sort of piano in the decades leading up to 1920 than in any other period in American history. And even cheaper pianos bore on their white keys the remains of elephants slaughtered thousands of miles away in Africa. As Alfred Dolge, a manufacturer of piano parts and historian of pianos, put it in 1911, all inhabited parts of the globe contribute more or less the raw material for a piano. But starting in the last few decades of the 19th century, you didn't need to own a piano at all to be connected through ordinary household objects to distant parts of the globe. And above all, you didn't need to be rich.